You're now listening to Sound Talent Media. Check out more shows at SoundTalentMedia.com. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Okay, welcome to Stateside Podcast. I'm your host, David Roska, and I'm here with Alex Fang. He's a booking agent, manager, vice president of New Frontier Touring, one of the funniest people I've ever met, and he promised me he'd be good. I don't necessarily, and this is not the best start. I would say funniest people you've ever met, though you also, uh, never mind, this is a terrible start. I was going to say you work with like a lot of engineers, and they're not the funniest group, therefore... I don't have a high hurdle. So that seems inflammatory because I do know funny engineers. Yeah, I know I know some funny engineers too. I also just don't know many people. You're one of six, seven. Okay, this makes me yep. feel a little bit better. And now I get to spend the next 48 minutes or however long this is winning back the 90% of your fa- of the listeners of this podcast that are engineers <laughs> that are like, I'm super funny. Fuck this guy. So this is good. This is now a test. And at the end of this, I'll ask the engineers to link it. Uh, what is it? Comment and tweet if uh, we'll I want them. A survey. That'd be good, like a yeah, Survey Monkey link. Absolutely, yeah. It'll have about twenty six questions, just to really make sure it's very thorough. Nice. So, can you tell us for any of the people in the audience who don't know who you are, a little elevator pitch on what you do, who you are, how you got where you are? Yes, I will do this as expeditiously as possible. Um, Alex Fang, I uh, have the pleasure of being an agent and a manager and newly as of six-ish months, vice president at New Frontier Touring. New Frontier Touring is a lovely company based here in Nashville and only in Nashville. Uh, The owner, Paul Lohr, who's great, he's my boss, started the company almost two decades ago after working at major agencies and, you know, has kind of kept the vibe being, we're all into music here do what you got to do. We still have to pay bills, but it's pretty loose in that regard. And that's always been cool. And that has kind of also been how I've really come about in the industry as a whole. I played in bands. Some people listen to them. Most didn't. And then I was in college radio when I started in college in Orlando. That then got me a gig at a recording studio that um, a higher up at Morning Music Group owned. And then it was used for like writing camps. Uh, I met who is a guest on a lot of these shows, Chris Martiniago, who was an AR director at Atlantic at the time, interned for him in Orlando. Um, I'm not entirely sure the next series of events, but it basically resulted in the Atlantic Orlando people all moving to Nashville. And they were all like, you should come. And I was like, oh, is there a job for me? And they were like, no. And I was like, oh, okay. Uh, and then I worked at like nightclubs pretty much in Orlando, uh, this place that used to be called Firestone. Uh, now it's something else. Uh, and it was mostly like fringe metal, EDM, hip hop. Uh, people can't see me. I do not look or have the build of anyone that should be working in a managerial role at a hip hop nightclub. And it was very, very fun. Um, and then from there, I worked at the social and the beach, which are the more conventional clubs in Orlando. And then 
after that, moved to Nashville, interviewed at WME, got the gig, didn't last long, like at all, and then been at New Frontier ever since. So the only time I ever could have been in a structured environment, I lasted, I think, four hours, six hours, and everything else was not structured. Now that I'm saying this, it is very evident that this was foretold from an early age. Is that is that an actual amount of time, like six hours it was, that you spent in that job? It was, it was interview, training. It was a mailroom gig, and it was in their old office, not the really nice swanky one. The old office, like, the mailroom was, like, half the size of my bedroom. So they could physically only fit, like, two or three people at once. And they basically tell you, like, you have the gig. We have to wait for one of these people to either quit or get promoted or you're an alter. Like, they kind of have a system in place that's essentially a war of attrition on the human spirit. And eventually I'd get the gig. And then that time I worked at a t-shirt shop um, that all my friends worked at. And uh, I was terrible at the job. And so it was nice knowing my days were numbered at the job because I'm colorblind and my job is packing t-shirts and I got them wrong constantly. <laughs> they were so, and I, my technical title was individual ship. So I didn't even have anyone else to blame. It was just me shipping one shirt to one person and getting it wrong constantly and i mean all my it friends were like there they probably shouldn't have hired the colorblind guy for that job it was funny because it was a big deal i had a college degree not a big deal but that was something that like more or less sealed the deal because just by the nature of it that wasn't very common so they just assumed if i could read i could see colors <laughs> and i just like not like i'm not like a dog it's like red sure. green brown i can't do and blue and purple and they mostly made shirts for fraternities and sororities and blue and purple and red and green tend to be the colors of their like flags or whatever it is that they yeah. do and also so, you know uh that's four out of the seven colors in the rainbow so yeah so you're, so that you're part batting under great. 500 uh so yeah i got here in may i got that job starting in june no i got that job starting in july and i pretty much knew after like a week i had like a month before they were going to be like hey we love you but you are not good at this. So it was nice kind of having that because in that window, I was like emailing everyone in Nashville. Like it was bizarre. And people were like, that's one cool thing about the city is that people were responding. Like I yeah. emailed Andrew Colvin. Uh, he's a great agent of Jason Isbell, uh, Lucero, and some of my favorite bands. He was at Billions at the time. And I emailed him like out of the blue. And like he was cool and responded and took me to the farmer's market and paid, which was a huge deal at the time, because it was like a $9 sandwich. And that was like what I made in an hour. So like to have that covered was amazing. And he was like, really, really cool. Uh, like Adam Voith, who now is at CAA and books like Mumford, we like went to coffee like he and these are people that I had like, it's not like my parents, my parents are cool, but like they don't work in music, which is probably why they've stayed cool. Um, like I didn't have any connections, other than like I interned for like three people in Florida. So, I mean, that is one thing that got I got lucky with was moving to the city at a time when there weren't that many non-country people. So everyone had this very, we take care of our own attitude. Totally. And I would say, I mean, as someone who moved to the city later on, when there was a little bit more non-country stuff and like scene stuff or whatever, that it still can maybe not as much as it was when you were doing it, but it's still very much is like that in a lot of ways. It still beats yeah. LA and oh. New York a million times with right. the openness and just willingness to just, you know, sit down and talk with someone who 
might you you might never see again and might never be relevant to your life or might be your next favorite person in town that you're doing everything with. Yeah, no, I mean, and I mean, that, and I said non-country, I do think that happens to an extent in country, but there's just a higher volume. So I don't think it happens as much. But Totally. Yeah, yeah and I mean, I that can't. is the other difference between here in New York and LA, other than like 10,000 other things. <laughs> yeah. Well, sweet. But so, yeah, that was more or less, I think I nailed the start. Absolutely, yeah. And, you know, we can just edit all that bullshit out from the beginning and we'll just start there. Um you get to say that for the past 30 minutes. For those listening, we we didn't we did a pre-interview of me talking about my thoughts for 20 minutes, and then David was like, This was supposed to start at four. For those listening, it is 425 and we are five minutes in. Yeah, that's correct. <laughs> but that's also just like how this all goes, you know. There's and that's I think that's a lot of what it takes to be able to do this industry is like be flexible understand that you're going to bullshit around on a call for 10 minutes before you actually get to what you're on the call to do most yeah. of the time. Um, and occasionally that is so not the move and it, and you can't do that. But I mean, would you say that from the, from the agent side of things that you get that flexibility too, or do you have to like live a more structured regimented? Um, I would think I've developed a bit of a stick where it's almost not expected but I've also, I mean, like early on, like I was Paul, like the owner of New Frontier, I was Paul's assistant. So no, like absolutely not then. So sure. I knew enough to know like who was down, who wasn't. At this point, and this, I've more or less structured it where by and large, most of the people I work with, I'm working with regularly. So it doesn't come as a complete shock that I am asking them. Usually it's just like, how are you doing? Been good. Like that sort of bit. Yeah. Or like you, I'll usually ask like a not bizarre, like uncomfortable question, but I'll just be like, do you feel like rain's gotten like louder? Like it's gotten louder. Oh, it's actually not, not since... raining over here. No, I just meant like, that's like a thing I'll say, like to start uh. a call. <laughs> like <Christ>. that's, <laughs> yeah, like that'll be like, and then yeah. to kind of feel them out. Cause you got to bear in mind, like for my gig and the company I'm at, and I'm not, not saying this to necessarily denigrate the company but like if you're at a big fancy company that like people have heard of because it gets mentioned in like the devil wears prada or something like in movies when entertainment sure. gets listed and they say like big company names there's a little bit of gravitas that comes with that i'm more or less for like myself and my clients the reason people are working with me and sending offers and this that and the other is on some level the strength of the client of my client their work their aesthetic their brand but also like that they like me or at Absolutely. least that they like me enough. So, I mean, I kind of have to differentiate myself from some of my peers who, you know, are are kind and whatever, but like, they're just like, yeah, like, let's get into the, this, you know, the roster is looking like this. Let's start with Keith Urban or something and then go down. I'm like, yeah, is Wayne getting louder? While we're at it, have you filled like the mid-level slot? You mm -hmm. know, like it has to, there has to be a little more humanization, which I think is how the gig used to be anyways and then just by conglomeration didn't but totally yeah and i think yeah. you know when you're at you know these smaller i'm also at a you know i'm at an extremely small company i'm one of two two people the only employee and i frequently say like i make friends for a living end up hit spreadsheets but that's not fun to talk about and yeah, yeah it's 
so yeah, I mean, I would say I do a good bit of bullshitting. I consider that to be part of the job. And also, I mean, the other thing is virtually all of the clients I work with are also, in my opinion, like fairly cool and good hangs. And if they were to hop on, could like more or less banter with the rest of us. Like I've I've pretty much kept my personal roster. Obviously, I do things with other agents at the company and oversee some stuff, but Sure. For the people that are solely RA responsible agented, totally covered by me, the notion of like representation rings true. Like that way, like if I'm being able to convey like good vibe, mellow, we're in this together, that sort of thing. When the artist gets on site and most of my artists have enough business savvy to be like, all right, who's booking this? So-and-so at C3. All right. And what do they look like? All right, I got it. Like they, they more or less know what to do. I'm just essentially conveying that tapestry that continues to kind of get woven, so to speak. So totally. that's yeah. the other part of it is I'm representing an, a fairly funny and good group of folks. Absolutely. Like yeah. Adeem the Artist played the Opry last night. Amazing. And yeah, it was great. They made their debut and they did this joke of their two songs, one in where they were like, they said like, I'm a non-binary country singer. There's about eight of us. So I'm here to represent the eight of us. And like, I thought that was great. The audience was mixed, but like it was, okay. I thought it was a great bit. And it's like, okay, I, when I'm out, you know, in the field, I'm in an office, but like when I'm, you know, doing the dance for a deem, it's like, there should be a little bit of humor and nuance piled into the fact that there is, that there can be a treacherous environment for non-binary performers in the space, but we can approach it with a levity that will make it fun for the event and that sort of thing if that Absolutely. makes sense yeah you know that's the the way you naturally interact with the world so why shouldn't you get to do that in your work and why shouldn't you choose people to work with that align with that because at the end of the day as much as you are representing them and standing in front of them in you know the front end conversations then eventually you open a door for it for them and they walk through that door and then right. To a certain degree, you know, much less so, but to a certain degree, they are representing you in a way. They also represent yeah. themselves and every other tie they have. But, you know, when they're talking to the like the the buyer that you that you set up the show with, that reflects on you in a way. So it should be someone who gives a similar vibe and a similar feeling. And I, yeah. I feel I feel very similarly in a lot of ways. Like there have been at, at previous companies I've worked with, there have been clients who I was sort of like day to day or assistant to the manager for that were so not my speed. And so like, let's just get down to business. There is, you know, like every conversation is completely about just like immediately into the, the money and the planning and man, like I want to enjoy my work and I want to have, have some fun along the way. And I just don't, I don't think I could, unless it was someone who you can't say no to, I don't think I'd really be able to do that. You have to like the gig because otherwise it's a pretty shitty job. Absolutely. Like if you talk to other people that sell things, like let's say you like really break the gig down to like, you're selling the product. The product is the live show. Like if when I talk to people in the private sector about their actual sales jobs, it's such a better life scenario for them. Like the, the work doesn't leave them. Like they, when they leave, work doesn't go with them. 
like the hours, the benefits, like there's all these things that are just like normal in like 70% of jobs that if you didn't like this job, it's insane that you do it. I don't get like, absolutely. And I think this exists more with agents than managers, publicists, or some of the other things where like they just like fetch about the grind. And it's like you chose to do this job. The sorting hat didn't tell you to do this. Like, <laughs> what? And it's like, what? Are you, why did you get yourself into this? Like, this is a completely like you always, you obviously have empathy because people's struggles are their struggles. And it's not your place to basically say, like, those are dumb. But at the same time, it's like, eh, okay, like, yeah, it's tough booking thousand cap clubs and having people like you. And they're just like, yeah, but like, blah, blah, blah. I'm like, mm, all right, sure. I think that exists yeah. more in agents. I'm trying not to name names, um, which sure. is why like the story I just told us of someone where it's like, how are you grumpy all of the time? You have the greatest job. Like, I if I complain about my job, it is I'm complaining about moments in a day. Like, totally. the job itself rules. Yeah, I mean... Same with, like, your job. And I'd imagine, like, when you... T I mean, do you have it... And I, de I this is one thing I don't really have. Like, when you talk to friends from home, and you're mm -hmm. like, oh, I get to, like, work with, like, Tom Denny and, like, stuff that when we were teenagers, these, like... Uh, listeners that they were in a day to remember and you know in case i have to do any backlog like when you tell friends of yours that like that's what you're doing now are they like super stoked because i feel like that's part of oh, the yeah. fun too absolutely yeah. i mean that's also like i grew up in the scene that all of the producers we work with for the most part are working in or come from so you know like tom denny alan day and jay moss especially are the three that get people to be like holy shit, like I listened to that band when I was 12. I get a little bit of that. And that's the other benefit of the job is there's not there's not a lot of jobs where the passions that govern your like youth and development then get to be yeah. the job. Unless you're like an athlete, like really by and large, unless you were like a really lame kid and you were just like, <laughs> I love textbooks and like more power to you. But like I, am, I imagine some of those plain kids that grew up to be pilots, too. Yeah, sure. But I mean, how many pilots? There's a famously yeah. shortage of pilots. So it's <laughs> totally. probably not that. Totally. But yeah, I mean, that's the other thing is like, I ran into a friend from college because he was passing through town and talking about stuff. And I like mentioned like, oh, like Dave Haas's record at the time hadn't come out. And I was like, I'll send it to you. And he's like, that's so cool that you can do that. Because like he remembers me playing yeah. the loved ones, Dave's old band on like college radio show. And I'm like, yeah, that is cool. You're right. Like, yeah, and it gets great. totally lost on you. <laughs> Like once you've yeah. done oh, it, oh yeah, long you enough. get very you get very desensitized for yeah. sure. And I, I mean, mean that's just the nature of it. Totally. And I think one thing that has like really desensitized me is there is a lot of music that I find myself like, you know, I I went to music school, did the whole thing. Um, I had my whole phase of listening to ridiculously ridiculous um progressive metal and progressive jazz fusion stuff and being a complete yeah. asshole about you know i only listen to really good music and then i started working in music and now i just listen to the same music i listened to in high school because it makes me feel good yeah. and because i'm not chasing some like weird high i'm and just like a just part of your job. music yeah absolutely well yes totally but Which is I the mean, other fun thing is that that's like a sentence. A hundred percent. Yeah. I mean, I spent eight hours yesterday at a concert because it was part of my job. 
one of my producers was playing guitar for the artist and I was shooting photo and video and stuff. And it was, it was a great time. That's actually the other underrated part that you get to do slightly more is like being a part, kind of having a 360 approach to the art. Like you get to like shoot and then go work the business side and like get in the studio. And there's not a lot of other, that's I think more of a small company benefit than music though. Like being able to, yeah, being like you have a cool setup. And I mean, that's like, not to take for granted. I mean, I, I, not that if any of my artists were like, Hey, come on the road with me and play, I probably would say no, but mm-hmm. you know, but I think that's that a cool you, thing you get to do. But is that because you I, don't want to play or is that because you don't want to tour? No, I definitely <laughs> would want to play and I'd want to tour. I think oh, okay. I'd say no, because I'm worried if something were to go south, I would, it would it, if you get set, if it's something goes south and you get kicked out of the band and there's three days of tour, you're out like 900 bucks. Or if something goes south and you get fired as the agent and the manager, you're out like significant thousands of dollars. Yeah. But yeah, it's like, like the music and... school. Yeah. I mean, music school me would have been like that. I mean, I had this thing because I initially majored in music and then I switched it to a minor because everyone was lame and uh, <laughs> just minored in jazz guitar. And like, I had always assumed everyone whose work I was playing was dead. And I got like an email recently of like, I think it was support submissions for like George Benson, who I was really into in college and 100% thought was dead. Like I thought George, I've, I've think, been thinking George Benson has been dead for over 10 years. And I personally know his agent <laughs> and I had no clue. And then I had to then go look up like if Miles Davis was dead. Like I was like, huh. Maybe some of these albums, some of these guys are still alive, and most of them are dead. But that yeah. was the one when you just said music school that reminded me of this recent issue I had. That's that's hilarious. I mean, Google certainly existed when you were in college. Google existed when I was in college, yeah. uh, but I, for whatever reason, that wasn't the thing. Like I remember, I had a class where I had to learn reason, like the George Benson record, mm-hmm. uh, and which was great, uh, and I enjoyed it. And I during COVID, I tried to do it again, and it was gnarly. Um, but I had been thinking he had passed, and I like just went back to the agent, like, I can't believe George Benson's alive. <laughs> and they were like, why? I was like, no reason. <laughs> I see. Okay. So that that goes right along with the, has the rain been louder? Yeah. I mean, I'm I'm trying to make it not sound like I can, I'm a complete sociopath in the workplace. But I mean, this is the this is the kicker is you get I enjoy the shtick enough that it's hard to then like let it go. Sure. You know, like, why would yeah. I why would I start now being like, hey, while I have you, we challenge the seventh hold like I can email that. <laughs> and even an email, I'm kind of dicking around a good bit. Fair enough. I mean, what's stopping you if, if it's if it's working and right, you know, like the, the, the thing I see from that is that just makes you a little more a touch more memorable, you know, even if it's someone who you aren't super tight with that. Right. They're like, oh, that's the the fucking jokester that also gets shit done that the the second part is hopefully what carries there there will be occasionally uh because my wife has a cushy gig at a gibson guitarist occasionally i'll like send something i'll have to have an out of office that gets like forwarded to her like are you related to this person and i'm like oh this is great i'm like i'm like your miscreant kid brother (laughs) you're like the popular girl in school and i'm like the kid brother that like shaving cream the mirrors well i mean i think you're a pretty cool guy so thanks yeah because we were freaks we were weirdos in high school and now we're weirdos in this job you're not wrong yeah 
but I mean, I think to a certain degree with, especially with, you know, when you're not at one of those huge companies, it takes that, like, you've gotta, you've gotta have that, that thing, that intangible, I don't know what it is. I don't want to call it an X factor because that makes it sound like I'm saying we're like intrinsically better than people, which is not at all what no, I'm trying to say. I'm just trying to say we're, we're strange. X-Men who are freaks. Yeah. <laughs> X-Men without powers. We were just unpopular yeah. in high school. Um, X-Men without powers. Right. I mean, and I have friends, I feel like I should throw out that I do have friends that work at big companies. It would be really funny if I listed them that they might get mad. But, and I mean, totally. it's not and like they're like here. bad people. It's just that like the nature of the job is like, like I wore this to, to those that can't see. This is a shirt I had at Goodwill. It is uh, the Grateful Dead logo, but all of the members' names are written in Hebrew, which is a language I can't read. And it's tie-dyed because I thought I got it at Goodwill and it was like gross stained. And I figured I can just add tie-dye to it. And I wore this to work and I'm the boss of some people. Like yeah. I wouldn't be able to do that everywhere. Absolutely. Yeah. I mean, and you know, even then when you look beyond the music industry, like, people who have to wear a suit to work every day that blows my mind that that's something that happens there's agents here that do the uh that do the blazer jeans and like loafers thing to work and that's like and it's like june and july and it's like how are you not hot like there's no way it's worth it i mean i wear a sweatshirt to work but that's because i'm fat and i don't want to admit it it's very different than you (laughs) wanting to look Let's dive into this because um, I don't. You certainly. I would not say that you were. Let's say I would not say that you're fat enough that you should be aware of it, which is not a nice thing to say. <laughs> but I would also say, don't you work in an office by yourself? So it really doesn't matter if you get body shamed at work. <laughs> well, first of all, they have mirrors, and my brain is not very nice to me. Who's they? Um, the office. You know the ethereal. What are you in severance? <laughs> <laughs> I, I, they being like rooms, here, here is watching um no but um so we are yeah, you rented an office with mirrors yeah we did um no but stateside is uh co-owned by sound talent group which is an independent booking agency i'm sure you're familiar with that but the audience yes. possibly may not be um so if the audience is not everyone at sound talent group is very nice and they are yes. i think by definition of the better business bureau of medium to big company and everyone there is nice so when we say big companies yes. it is not that tim and dave are very very nice i don't know matt very well but i'm sure he is nice yes they are, tim and dave are very is, very nice everyone is fucking awesome and have you been in dave's plane not yet not yet I am. Is that is that your choice or his choice? Um, I have not been with Dave in person in the same city as the plane. Okay. Yeah, that's fair because that's <laughs> insane. Listeners, for those of you that don't know, and I love, and I really hope I'm the one breaking this news. Dave Shapiro, who is a great agent who books many of your favorite ba- many of your favorite bands in the hard rock space and rock space and metal space, uh, has a, like works out of I think an airplane hangar in San yes, Diego. and flies a plane like when he leaves work and like Mm -hmm. he says that like that's not a completely absurd and fantastic thing have you and it's you heard about his newest purchase he bought a fighter jet oh i think you're about to say he bought like one of those submarines that was just in the news no no he bought a fighter jet who's he fighting with um i think i i wish i had the answer to that question um, this I, is had, also I had why a couple answers I had company. to censor myself for, but absolutely. Yeah. yeah. Um, this is why you own a company. 
100%. But it is, it, it still says SpaceX on it because its previous owner was SpaceX. Um, that's so cool. It's awesome. That is so cool. <laughs> yeah. And like that guy's your boss. Like that yeah. rules. Yeah. And he just like, and he'll just, I mean, have you, uh, have you seen his bio by any chance on STG's website? No, I don't peruse the website. That that's much. fair enough. Um, I'm sorry. I will pull it up right now while we're talking, though. It is, uh, it is truly excellent. I think you guys used the same website template that we did. <laughs> um, oh, so you, so this is like the sound natural office. Is Beth in there? Beth is in there. She's right down the hall. Okay. Uh, tell us that. Hey. Will do. Um, um, so this is this is Dave's bio. Dave Shapiro started at the bottom, and now he's wearing sunglasses as pajamas. And that's the power of STG. His unparalleled drive and love for laceless footwear has propelled his career to an altitude only possible to achieve in one of his many, many personal aircraft. Dave is also a great man of charity. He's taken in a new slash used dog every time Sarah McLaughlin appears in one of those SPCA commercials. This is my favorite line. Dave's wife also lives at the same address as he does. Um, that's the, it, that's the extent of the bio. It, it goes on. That to say, would, that know, seems like it works for one of those people that rent out hotel ballrooms to like give you lectures on how to better yourself. <laughs> that I bio know. would apply to the exact same person. I cannot ever picture Dave doing that, but yeah, I hear that. Um, yeah, yeah, I'm not saying he does. He's he's yeah. very good at booking bands. Yeah, absolutely. But I don't remember how he got onto that tangent. Excellent Probably guy. Dave and Tim are cool. Yeah. Um, and that's just about companies oh that you're in the office you're that uh, we were talking about how you don't oh, have to wear a who is they? you can wear a sweatshirt in your office just because it's cold yeah wish it was <laughs> <laughs> and i wish that wasn't uh, a joke oh that's good well for what it's worth i do think i've won and this isn't meant to conclude because i this was the only thing i planned to do today but i do think i've won back the engineer people because i've loosely insulted enough people that they probably also hate that i've won them back from the initial time i said none of them are funny that's fair but also i wonder how many engineers interact with agents on an everyday basis this is true the guy that uh like will hogue who i manage in book he is like a basically go-to engineer for all the stuff he produces mm. and i think i vaguely recall one time him saying because we had only communicated over email and like a year into working with him, he said, you know, you're much better than I thought you would be. <laughs> and I was like, at what? And he's like, no, no, I didn't mean that in a bad way. I just I just assumed that <laughs> that you were terrible. And I was like, why? Because, I mean, the, the trope of the music industry is that we're all the worst. And yep. on some level, at its basis, we are. I mean, that's why so many bands' best records are their debut record. Because then they got big and then we showed up. Fair enough. And yeah, yeah, like I do think at its core, what we're doing is probably sinister and that we're taking the purity of art and finding ways for not for us to on some level, you could say we're trying to sustain the life of an artist so they can continue to create art. But on another level, it's a little more selfish. Of We also like art so much. We don't want to do real jobs. We just want to be near art for selfish reasons. And then therefore we commodify it. Yeah. And run around controlling it without actually being artists ourselves right i mean and controlling can also is know, a strong word but controlling no i mean that's probably fair i mean so much of like also the like what doesn't get said is like the music industry the modern music industry person used to be in an emo or like at least in my age group used to be in an emo or pop punk band 
got like one battle of the bands twice and someone in their band is still doing it successfully. And the other three, one had life circumstances that had them not continuing music and the other two work in the industry. And one is more successful than the other. That's like more or less the archetype. I feel. And then with every like third band, one has just gone absolutely crazy and just post ridiculous stuff on Facebook. Yeah. That happened a lot during COVID. It was like guys I played guys I played in bands with because I grew up in the suburbs are like posting insane things. I'm like, he used to be so good at drums. Yeah. The industry trope is like everyone, everyone's a douchebag. And that's not entirely true. So when like musicians and engineers and those that are strictly on the creative side and don't have to worry about the commerce of it, meet like me or like a you or like a someone that like genuinely likes music and then it's nice that this is our job. They're like, whoa, yeah, you're not actively mean to me. And it's like, yeah, you got it. Yeah. And I mean, I think I think it's also just a lot easier to do it this way. Like, yes, we absolutely could do our jobs, maybe just as effectively by being assholes all day. But that sounds like a much harder job than just making friends for a living and then occasionally having to be a pit bull to stand up for someone I really, really believe in and would happily stand up for even if I wasn't being paid by them. Right. There is a part of me that like wants to wants to do like not a not a rehearsal, but like a I would like to make a fake email address in the context of the company and have that be the one that I'm like an asshole to people. Oh. Like they like, have it be someone at the company but like everybody's cool, but James is a dick. <laughs> And it's just me like getting it all out. I think if I remember correctly, there's a Nathan for you skit where they do something along those lines. Oh, I may be no. misremembering this though. But yeah, that's I mean, like, it is a pretty cute move. Yeah, it is also like very, that's a very local band move. Like you have a fake manager that's your. Oh, yeah. <laughs> I, I was doing that. I mean, though, I oh, have, yeah. one of my like really good friends is a manager, successful one. And I was with him in the car and he was being like, a total dick to someone on the phone. And I do remember being like, is that how you are normally like in a work context? He goes, yeah, you have to be. I go, I don't think that's true. And that was the last we talked about it. Hmm. I mean, but it was like, oh, okay. Huh. We don't overlap on anything professionally. Right. I I think that it's probably, I I feel exactly the opposite. I try to be very friendly and very fun in work conversations. And I feel like that's how I have to be. And I think that's just because that's how I do it. So I feel like that's, you know, if I learned how to ride a bike by pedaling backwards and then you put me on a bike that pedals forwards, I'd be like, this is wrong. But really, they both ride the same. Okay, so I'm picturing you in your sweatshirt on a bike. <laughs> in the 95 and degree Nashville In 95 weather. degree heat, you just going backwards like <laughs> on Division Street or something. And you being like, why would I go forwards? This is how I've always done it. But to speak to to go on a bike tangent real quick, um, there is a guy Please. who has been riding his bike at the uh the Greenway over in Donaldson Hermitage area. Um, that's where I live, so I'm I'm by there a lot. He rides one of those like 1910 style huge wheel in the front, tiny wheel in the back bikes, and oh. it's amazing. It's is awesome. he doing it? Do you think it's his primary form of transportation? I don't think so because I only see him on the Greenway. There's a guy on my street that's uh, trying to learn to unicycle. He like his his like 
he hauls junk. That's like what he says he does. Um, I don't know what that means. Oh, uh, the one time, I, yeah. So he like went. He did some junk haul and got a unicycle, and he's been trying to do it. So like when I like let my dog out, I kind of watch. I like kind of ask him how it's going. He's, I mean, he's getting better. It is whimsical because he's like old. Like I oh, think he's like yeah. over the age of fifty-five. But it is anyway. When you said bike, it reminded me like oh, I got. Antonio is learning to ride a motorcycle and a, a unicycle, and it's really whimsical because I've I've been like, what's next? You learn to do this, and then what? The no wheel like, bike, obviously, right? Well, or like people that learn to ride a unicycle, like join like a circus or like a troop. Yeah, yeah. Well, you have to learn how to juggle on the unicycle first, I believe. I don't know if that's true. I feel like if you okay. can take it across the tightrope, it's probably fine. Okay. But it's like yeah. learning, yeah. like he's learning an instrument that you need a band for. <laughs> <laughs> you know, like you need to be part of the group. Like you can't. I'm trying to think of what that instrument would be. Nobody like just plays the snare drum. Right. Or like no one yeah. just plays the tuba. Right. Like you got to. Yeah. Except for that dude under the bridge. Yeah. You can't just do. You can't just do a unicycle. Like you got to be part of a group. I would love if my neighborhood became a circus street, but that probably won't happen. <laughs> I mean, hey, you put enough work into it. Anything's possible, baby. See, this is the thing. I feel like I'm probably nicer to people in my work life than I am in my like personal and social life. I completely agree with that. I definitely feel the same way. Here's a dark question. Do you think it's because of the financial benefit that comes from it? Oh, fuck. Whereas oh. when you have, when you, yo, okay, darker. The financial benefit that comes from being nicer to people, nice to people in your work life versus the financial decrease that comes from having multiple friends and that usually requires you to have to do more things and things cost money. Do you think, because I would say I'm definitely nicer to people in my professional life than I am in my social life. I'm not mean in my social life, but I don't, it's not even close which one I'm nicer in. Yeah, I just don't go out of my way to be nice in my social life. I'm from the Northeast. That's not how we are raised. Are you from Connecticut? Philly. Um, I don't know why I thought Connecticut. I'm, hey, better than New York. What part of Philly? This is where I out myself. I'm from over the bridge in New Jersey, but it's just easier to say. Like me. Camden or whatever. Probably yeah, my Camden. my town was bordered Camden. Oh, okay, I think you can say I think you can say Philly to anyone that's not from the Northeast. That's pretty much what I yeah. That's typically what I do. I say Philly to everyone, honestly. And then when they ask, I do that little backtracking rehearsed bit of where I have to say I outed myself and it's a whole thing, but that's fine. Yeah. I mean, I say Baltimore when it's like Baltimore County, like I went to school sure. in Baltimore city, but that's not like where I grew up. Yeah. It was weird because I played in a band that was from Philly, but like rehearsal was in Valley forge. And then the festival oh. that Dave and I did, Dave Haas and I just did in Philly was in like Roxborough, which is like legally Philly, but it kind of has suburban feel to it. Sure. So when people yeah. talk about like Center City and shit, like I have no understanding. Like I have no idea. Well, the greater Philadelphia metropolitan area is fucking massive. massive. It's so big. And yeah, I mean, you can you can live in Philly and be 25 minutes from downtown Philadelphia. Baltimore's like that, too. Like everything. Yeah. It's funny when my wife goes because she grew up in like Sarasota. Which it like kind of considers itself to be part of Tampa, but every, by that point that we were developing like Florida, everything was highway everywhere all the time. So you could get a lot of places fast. Sure. Whereas yeah. like Baltimore, everything is thirty minutes apart. Mileage has nothing to do with it. Everyone is going twenty-eight to fifty-one miles an hour everywhere constantly. 
Philly's like that, like yeah, most absolutely. of Jersey. Whereas like, and I, we went to college in Orlando where like there's 9,000 different highways to take you places. Nothing takes more than 15 minutes. And there was never any traffic because people were so like used to that. Yeah. And yeah. When we go to Maryland, she's like, oh, it's only four miles away. I'm like, that's going to be 25 minutes. Yeah. <laughs> and I feel like that's how it, it used to be like that here where everything was 15 minutes away in 2018. And now it feels like it's, I don't, I don't know what has changed, but it feels like it's not that the case anymore. I'm spoiled because I lived in Midtown and then now I live in Redwood, Houston, Chestnut Hill. Oh, so nice. I, I'd no the at no point have I ever had to get on the highway for a daily commute or groceries or pretty much anything unless I mean now I don't even need to get on the highway to go to east. So yeah. when people fret about traffic, the only time it comes up is like, and I mean you might be experiencing this too, like being in the age group where your friends have moved to the suburbs but they don't have kids yet. Oh yeah. Like, That's my life. Oh my God. Like, if you just say you don't want to be friends with me anymore, don't move to Bell Mead without <laughs> kids. Or like, they're, or like they're in like Kingston Springs. They're like, we have more space. I'm like, all you do is watch TV. What do you need space for? You're constantly posting on Instagram, you watching TV. The fuck you need this yard for? But like, we got to go like once a quarter to like keep the civility. And that's sure. when I'm like, traffic's terrible. Like going to, going to Williamson County is awful. Well, Why do people do this? That's what, you know, dumb, mundane activities like trivia are for, I feel like, keeping up with those sort of friends. Yeah, but this is more testament to how I'm, I'm worse in my social life than professional life. The people that have moved at, that far out of the city, like Bellmead or like pretty much anything south of Oak Hill, I don't want to be on a trivia team with them because I'm carrying the weight. Okay, fair <laughs> enough. I know that's not great to say, but it's like... If I'm putting the team on my back, I don't need them. They're dead weight. Maybe I need them for the riddles, but probably not. Okay. Well, I go to trivia for the beer personally, but that's fine. That's the my the New Frontier trivia team. Though we were doing trivia at Craft Brood, and Craft Brood is closing. I can break some news yes. on the podcast. And now I don't know where we're going to go. There's a bar underneath our office that might become the trivia bar, but we'll see. Because the beer selection isn't good. And my boss is really into beer. Like he's doing the thousand and one beers you need to drink before you die. Wow. And he's like 17th in the world. There's like seven people that have done all thousand and one. There's like a handful of people ahead of him. Wow. Yeah. That was like his COVID activity was like hitting up promoters and being like, hey, this sucks, doesn't it? Yep. Hey, while I got you, can you run? It looks like it's about 11 miles from your house. And I know you're not doing anything. Get a six pack, mail me two bottles, you keep four, and he would pay for the shipping and the six pack. That was like his bit. And okay. he then got to a point where he went to like outside of London, where the editor of the book lives, to like meet and talk beer. Like he like leveled up in the community so much. Wow. Yeah. Damn. It would that be like if you were really into Hogwarts, not Hogwarts, if you were really into Harry Potter and like JK Rowling was like, I hear you're getting pretty into the wizards. Why don't we talk wizards before everyone got mad at her? Yeah, of course. Um I feel like she's more likely to do that now that everyone's mad at her, though. Like, that's her redemption? Yeah. She's just, like, she just is craving relevancy so badly that she's, like, just taking meetings with super fans. That would be, I, I mean, that would be cool. That would, I mean, I would never, that would, that might win me back. Usually, if it's someone I never really cared that much about, I'm, like, with the mob. Like, I forgot what Kevin Spacey did, but I'm still mad at him. It's pretty bad. Yeah. It's probably. probably fucked up. 
yeah yeah it's uh it's, it's I'm, worth not, saying I'm, that. I'm not on a side but like i'm probably i tend to decide with the mob on these issues it's it's easier in social settings to side with the mob that's probably how we got into this mess as a society <laughs> fair enough yeah <laughs> well i I'd, I'd say that that's how we got into this mess being society is siding with the mob. right is how, is how convenient it is being in the mob <laughs> yeah but that no, is this far is too the, ethereal this is the other this. this is the other kicker with our jobs is like we kind of need moms yeah. Mobs create scenes, and then that's how we make money. Absolutely, yeah. Although I think the mobs that you need are much more literal than the mobs that I need. Yes, famously so. Yes. Did you did you prepare with a list of questions? Did we get to any of them? I just keep them there if I need them, but I didn't need them. <laughs> I mean, it's like it's it's all less interesting than the what we've talked about, and much that's less fair. fun. let's do rapid fire rattle them off now and i'll answer in 40 seconds or less okay (laughs) i love this um this is stateside podcast's first bit okay so since you moved to nashville how has the industry changed i don't think it has much it's slightly bigger it's slightly more diverse both both in terms of like the traditional definition of diverse and also what people are working on that's kind of it. It's always been kind of tight knit and cool, in my opinion. Okay, rephrasing the question then: How has your relation to the industry changed? I'm slightly more respected because I haven't burnt out as I approach thirty. Fair enough. Okay. Can you give me a day to day in the life of Alex Fang? What's your day look like? Wake up at seven o five. My ringtone is terrifying. I'll play it for you at the end of the podcast. <laughs> uh, it always wakes me up. My wife hates it. I. Peloton to either Broadway, pop punk, or the jam band one for 20 minutes. Uh, Then I listen to Politico's daily briefing and the daily punch while I pick up my dog's poop in the yard and let him run around, shower, at work around 8.30, clear my inbox. By 11 o'clock, I then walk out to where all the assistants sit, try to get them to laugh at my jokes. They never do. Lunch, clear inbox, go home, TV. Or like if I have a show or something occasionally there's coffee happy hour lunch meetings peppered in here and there sure okay that was a lot of focus on the morning yeah i mean it's mostly clearing the inbox and taking calls like it's not that totally yeah and also it takes a lot more words to say listening to whatever political daily update podcast that you said that i'm not familiar with while picking up the dog's poop than it does to say political, take political daily briefing got a new narrator and he sucks i actually have started to cut that one out and i'll read that while i okay. peloton and then i listen to the daily punch i really like for for what it's worth i really like npr's version i forget what it's called but it's like a five minute just the most important news it's really nice do you want to know something terrible i have one of my best friends swears by the daily and because of that i don't listen to the daily because i don't think he knows much about politics so I, I've canceled out all the mainstream news sources. Fair enough. Um, Full yeah. RFK over here. Are, are you Definitely one of those real. people who like just can't get recommended things? Um, I can be recommended things, though I trust the recommender too much. Mm, like so... something, I perfect example. I have a friend, and hopefully she doesn't listen to this podcast, that will always bring up whatever Dax Shepard has talked about. And at no point has her version of it ever been interesting. And I've never listened to that podcast to the point where, because I've told her I listen to the podcast, it's the only thing I subscribe to <laughs> because I don't use that feature on the app. Just so she, if she ever were to see it, it would be like that. But I can be recommended something. Okay. Okay. That's um. my girlfriend can't be recommended things. I need to like subtly hint 
pass clues to her that she should like something until she figures it out on her own. And then she'll be like, oh, my God, I love the show. And I'm like, yeah, I, I, I tried to tell you to watch that six months ago. And it is frustrating. Love you, Kelly. I, for, I got it. Does I Kelly got listen to every episode? Kelly listens to every episode that I host. Really? I hope so. Kelly, this is a test. If okay, that's what I wanted to do. Say Blue Jay. Well, it's not a live. It's not radio. Um, I was gonna say, Kelly, if you're listening, because this will air what in like two weeks or whatever. Um, we're probably about a month and a half out. Okay, Kelly, my birthday is August 30th. It is currently June 29th. I would like for my birthday, blueberry muffins. David can deliver, and I'll Venmo you back for the blueberry muffins. Does she have to make them, or can she buy them? You can buy them. I'm, I don't care. Maybe she's good at making muffins. She is. Okay. So that this buys enough time. Yeah, absolutely. Let's see if she's listening. All right. <laughs> you guys are going to break up. You're going to have to move in with me. <laughs> Could you, I would love to explain to my wife. So he's moving in for how long? You got to understand. So I did his podcast, and I had a really good bit, and it exposed a lot of kinks in the armor. Well... <sighs> As much as I think living with you would probably be exhilarating and very boring at the same time, I really hope that doesn't have to happen. I hope that doesn't happen either. Well, amazing. What else do you have going on? Let's talk about your... I, uh, I was going to ask you to plug something. That was how I wanted to end. Because okay. I feel like, obviously, Stateside does the podcast to mm-hmm. facilitate conversations like these, which I can't imagine are helpful for people. But it's obviously to elevate the brand. However. To be fair, you know, these conversations are typically a lot more cohesive. Subtle. (laughs) (laughs) I was going to ask you what to plug, because if I here's the thing, if I start to plug everything my clients are working on and I skip a client accidentally, I'm fucked. So I'm not going to do it. I'm just going to (laughs) say, Google my email and then listen to whatever the names of the artists that come up. And if the artist doesn't come up, it means my email is not on their website and that's on them. So you can Google This is the best way to, I'm going to start doing this more. You should Google A-Fang, A-F-A-N-G. Don't email me like your demos or like your ideas or like looking for a job or any of that shit. I don't want that. I just want yeah, you. Yeah, putting putting your email in a podcast is dangerous I territory. Just, <laughs> I just want you to Google A-Fang, A-F-A-N-G, at newfrontiertouring.com and all of the artists that come up, listen to them and buy their vinyl. Only buy the vinyl of the ones that I get a cut of the vinyl. Otherwise, go t- buy tickets to their shows. And that's what I will plug and not list any names. I love it. We'll see how this plan goes. All right. What do you have to yeah. plug? Oh, what do I want to plug? You, you, see, you have I, less clients. I do you have less probably clients, remember. but I still worry about things like that. Um, I feel like I feel like I just want to plug things that I have nothing to do with. Okay. Like, for example, my favorite artist right now, her name's Scene Queen. She's amazing. I'm sure you're familiar with oh, her. I'm very familiar um, with Scene Queen. She's one yeah, of those people where, like, if I, every time I recommend her to someone, I say, if you hate it, I totally understand, but I fucking love it. So go listen to Scene Queen. You should, we can do, you plug stuff Tim and Dave are working on, and I'll plug stuff that other people at the company are working on. You can plug Thursday is out on tour. Go see Thursday. <laughs> Jeff Rickley just wrote a great new book. I didn't read it, but Will Hogue, who I work with, read it and said it was great. And I believe it. Um, so I can be recommended things. And then as for other things, the Avid Brothers are on tour. You should go see them. Jesse Balin put out a great record. Uh, I don't work with her. That was good. I think we did great. 
That was wonderful. Yeah. I mean, I think no one's going to be pissed about that. Definitely. Yes. At least we're charming and attractive. I do like how quickly you pivoted to attractive considering you wear a sweatshirt to work because the walls are judgmental. Hey, you can be fat and sexy, baby. Yeah, that's true. That's the theme of like most songs now. Yes, it is. I saw um, I saw Jelly Roll at the Opry and that was kind of the theme of his set. Hell yeah. I mean, He there played was... after a beam. And that was like the whole bit. That's an interesting lineup. Yeah, the Opry. I mean, the, the Opry is. Yeah. Full and circle also, in that. We didn't, we didn't really talk about Adeem that much, but Adeem is so fucking cool. Adeem is so fucking cool. Awesome. We can plug Adeem because I can say that I did this alphabetically and you cut out all of the other, <laughs> other letters. Um, Adeem is very fucking cool. They did a Polestar thing. I will briefly plug. They did a Polestar article and I talked to Polestar for like an hour for it. It was like a, an article about Adeem. They talked to me, their manager, Maria Ivy, who's an, an amazing publicist. I was just and about they to bring used, her up seven words from my like hour-long conversation which honestly after having d- just done this i totally understand how that happened yeah i was about to say i think we might be <laughs> editing this this podcast down to about seven words from you as well what no 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 give no, me no, a part no. one part two <laughs> part one my name this... is alex part two fang from new frontier touring yeah here's my email don't send me your music <laughs> i just want you to google i just want you to google my other clients <laughs> Well, that's um, that's another thing I want to plug. Maria Ivy is fucking amazing. I don't get a cut of her money either, so I'm actually not going to plug her. Okay, fair enough. I understand, but she deserves it. Yeah, and her husband Taylor is awesome too. And seems like you and he would be good friends. I actually didn't even know she was married. Oh yeah. Oddly enough, she when we when we interact professionally, she is not that engaged with the shit. I had no idea. She's a very go getter. She has she she has no interest in my nonsense. Yeah, I could see that. Yeah. <laughs> I I love her to death, and in person, it's not that way at all. But I could see her, and like she's just so damn busy; she's doing everything. Yeah. As we're wrapping up here, to sort of finish out, I would love to get sort of your state of the union on the music industry, like where um, you think. What's your take on the current state of the industry? Do you think we're in a good spot? Do you like where we're heading? Etc. Cetera, Etc. Cetera. Yes, State of the Union's strong. It's how they used to end the addresses. Yeah, I mean, I feel like hot take in the long term. Obviously, plenty of people are still recovering. COVID might have been good because it forced everyone to kind of look at how they were doing things and read Jigger. Um, some people didn't, but I do think overall things are good. I think the audience, I think it was also really good for the audience because it humanized every part of the industry differently like when we were kids like bands were like not human like they were mythical beasts and there was a cool element to that and now because everyone kind of went through the same thing and it was like publicly everyone was going through the same thing like people would instagram live in their house with no makeup and stuff like male rock stars with no makeup so i think because that got to happen like when people go to shows they're more into it when they're buying merch they kind of get the transactional element which is good like that they're like, this is my way of supporting you. I need you to keep doing this because of what your music does for me. And like some people can say that that's a little too crass, but I think it's probably good because that's, you know, there's an understanding of how that how that ecosystem needs to exist. And there's an understanding of the audience that if you're not a part of the audience for long, like it could go away. So I think State of the Union is great. I mean, it's only going to, it's not going to get worse. I mean, you'll see people say like, 
the end of the industry as you know it because of AI or streaming or this and that, but like probably not. Probably like they, not. Yeah. They, I think people just like getting mad about something, and it's hard when the job rules. But I yeah, State of the Union is great. I feel great about everything. Hell yeah! And I mean, to the AI thing, like AI makes my job more effective and easier in not a way that it's going to replace me, in just a way that it makes me better at my job. Yeah, there was someone on 92nd Street Y, which is a very niche sentence, um, that was basically saying, like, it's going to replace a lot of white-collar jobs, which, like, the good populace in me kind of likes. And it's not going to be, like, AI can do the job for you. It's going to be people that know how to use AI and people that don't. And the people that don't are probably going to be the ones that need to find new new work. Totally. But I'd imagine that's how it was when, like, Pro Tools showed up. Oh, 100%. Yes. Like that, imagine there are people that are like, I'm always going to use razor blades to cut this down. And then it's like, why? Why would I mean, we just learn how to do this? Yeah, imagine like the first NAM where Pro Tools was there. I'm sure that there was uproar and, you know, people pissed off just the same way that there are companies doing AI mixing now. Yeah, I mean, none of it. Everyone's going to be clumped about something. And the one thing you need to, I always kind of remind myself is like, the music industry, like that exists, like the one that we're living in, where people buy recorded music and you then go see an artist perform, is only like 60 years old. Like pre-19, pretty much pre-World War II, the music industry was sheet music for orchestras or like really, really rich people seeing stuff, you know? Like there wasn't mass-produced pop music. So yeah. like it's going to change a bunch because for the first 1900 years it was the church and really rich people and that sucked so you can't possibly say it's getting worse because for nearly two centuries it was the douche it was way douchier than it even is now or two millennia yeah. rather damn like now uh, everyone at least gets to do it absolutely for better or for worse in that context but mostly for better yeah yeah i think i think overall for better it's I cool also... that people that couldn't have, that may never be able to afford to go see like Taylor Swift can be like impacted by her music because it's a reproduced work of art that they can access easily at like a library. Like that didn't yeah, exist absolutely. for forever. Yeah. Or so, even further, like a live streamed concert. Right. For people that there's so many, I mean, and that's the other thing I found in my line of work, because it's a lot of singing, so, singer songwriters inherently, a lot of the music's a little depressing and the element of not feeling comfortable in a thousand with a thousand people around you. And you and you don't buy a ticket because of that is super valid. And you can then you're buying the record and then you're active on live stream. And like now we can kind of track the data and it's like, oh, they'll never go to a concert. And, you know, you can kind of figure out like there is a contingent of people that either don't feel safe for valid reasons or just like don't want to deal with the noise or this thousands of things. And it's interacting with them, interacting with the fans that are way coming to their level, I think is still cool. Absolutely. And it wasn't a thing again. I think really pre-COVID, we didn't think about that at all. Totally. Because yeah. why would we? Everything was sweet. We were making, like, everyone was going to shows and nothing was wrong. Yeah. And then... So, yeah, absolutely. Yeah. No, State of the Union's great. Does anyone say it's not? I haven't listened to all the episodes. Has anyone said that it's getting worse? I have personally gotten one response that was neutral. Not, really? not bad, not good. It was like, here's a lot of things was, I think are good, and here's a lot of things I think are bad. But and a it was state. so it was like I guess I guess neutral isn't the right word, but it's sort of the good and the bad balance each other out, in my opinion. And I think every single point that that person made was entirely valid, um, especially 
considering their their background and their situation in life a lot more relevant and stuff that doesn't affect me as much. Um, was it people that, that were big in the '90s and complaining about it now? No. Okay. That, that I mean that trope comes up constantly. Oh, I hear that with like streaming too, where it's like the music theory nerd in me. Like when you see how much money these like mood and sleep playlist people are making on instrumental music that's like really really well composed and like that there was no chance they would have been able to do that when cds were the only thing totally just because no one's gonna buy yeah yeah but you know like to so like seeing that creators like that are like living middle and sometimes upper middle class lifestyles yeah composing modern instrumental music and it's perfectly valid music too like yeah, I think there's totally. a lot of people who could who could see that and be like, well, that's not like quote unquote real music, which is doesn't one, not a thing. But yeah, it's it's like they deserve right. to be able to do that. Right. Like it's it's so easy to make streaming the enemy. And then you have stories like like thousands of people like that. And it's always now it's always like your friend that sells like 18 tickets in their hometown being like, like, I only got another dollar eighteen from Spotify. It's like, yeah, dude. Yeah. If I made stools and they were like kind of lame stools and I like had no way of selling them, like I want to get mad at Home Depot. It's <laughs> a good way to put it. Yeah. Well, I think well, I want the engineers back with my previous really deep <laughs> moment as opposed to my ending <laughs> where I'm like streaming rules. <laughs> um, thank you for having me. Yeah. This was very, very kind on. of you to spend the past hour with me and have it not completely go to shit. So thank you. This is and you do a good service in having people be able to listen to people with jobs without them sounding like assholes during it. Well, thank you. I have no intention of making people sound like assholes. And thank you so much for coming on and talking with me. And we should probably go less than six months before we talk again. I would love to be a recurring guest. Yeah. <laughs> sure. Let's hang out in person. We'll do the stateside yeah, Deanna, podcast. No mics, no recording yeah, equipment. Deanna, don't edit this out. <laughs> He's agreeing to hang out with me again. You're the man. All thank right. you. One Hit Thunder is a podcast where we both celebrate and have a good laugh about bands and artists that had just one hit that we all know. Each week, we're joined by a guest from the world of music or comedy to learn more than you ever thought you would about some songs that you can't forget. And we decide if they brought the One Hit Thunder or nothing more than a one hit blunder. Look, if you listen to the show, you're probably going to laugh and I guarantee you're going to crush next time the bar has music trivia. Tag Team, Jane Child, Meredith Brooks, Looking Glass, Sean Mullins, Eiffel 65, EMF, Crash Test Dummies, Crazy Town, Chumbawamba. We have hundreds of episodes in our back catalog and a new episode each week. So pass the duchy, make sure you're connected, and subscribe to One Hit Thunder wherever you get your pods.